0: Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Online Podcast. This week, I'm talking to somebody that I bet you're familiar with. It's social media maven, Laura Roeder. And we're talking all about how to maximize social media for your small business. So Laura's going to share lots of tips about the right way to use social media, because I know from personal experience and from the clients that I work with is that a lot of times we feel like we're working on social media. Like we, we kind of make the excuse to ourselves, oh, I need to be on Facebook because I'm marketing my business. It's marketing. But actually we just kind of get sucked into these conversations and commenting and scrolling and you can easily lose an hour without having really promoted your business very much. So Laura's gonna help us out of that trap today and give us some pointers for really how to maximize social media in our wellness business. Now you can get all of the links and everything that we talk about or ask a question and leave a comment back at the show notes for this episode, which will be at wellpreneuronlinecom slash Now, I wanted to give a quick shout out to somebody that left me a review in the iTunes store, because I love getting reviews in the iTunes store. It really helps to get the word out about this podcast. So, Becoming a Wolf, who didn't leave their name, but Becoming a Wolf said, like no other, five stars, I rarely listen to podcasts. I find many of them incredibly self-serving to the host. I actually accidentally came across Amanda's podcast and found her pragmatic approach very refreshing. This is really about helping others, not simply an ego platform for the host. I've listened to three so far and have learned so much. So to the only podcast I subscribe to, you are amazing. Well, thank you, Becoming a Wolf. Great. I guess I'm pragmatic and helpful. I do really want to be helpful, so I'm glad you found it that way. Because really, that was my goal starting this podcast. I wish I had had this podcast when I was training to become a health coach. I would have just eaten them up. So I hope that I can then help all of you to just see that it's possible to grow a successful wellness business and help you a little bit further along the path. Okay, so let's all move ourselves a bit further down the path by stopping wasting time on social media and starting to use it more effectively. And let's learn how in this interview with Laura Roeder. Hi Laura, thanks for joining me today. Hello Amanda, I'm very happy to be here. Well, I'm really happy to meet another American living in London across the pond. So we're actually, yeah, both in London right now. But anyway, Laura, I'm sure everybody out there in the audience knows who you are and is familiar with your work in social media. And so I really wanted to get you on to talk about using social media effectively as a small business owner, because I know that so many people, I think a common thing is that everyone's on social media and they feel like they're using it for their business. But I think there's a lot of time wasting going on. So I'm hoping you can kind of get us around that and shed some light on how to use it productively.
1: Absolutely. There's a lot of social media time wasting going on. I actually would love to give a little tip right off the bat on that, if if that's cool. Yeah, go for it. One of my favorite ways to see if you're wasting time on social media is to look at the evidence that you leave behind. So the reason that social media is so time consuming is because social media was designed to suck you in, <laughs> you know, they want to keep you reading tweets and reading Facebook updates and watching videos. So if you feel like you're spending too much time on social media, what I would challenge you to do is look at your accounts, you know, look at your Twitter account, look at your Facebook account, look at your Pinterest account. And are you leaving evidence behind? Because if you're leaving evidence, you'll have replies on your Twitter account, you'll have comments that you've made to other people on Facebook, you'll have pins that you've made on Pinterest. If you don't have those things, you're just consuming content, right? You're clicking links, you're reading articles, you're looking at pictures, and that stuff does not promote your business. It might be a lot of fun, but it's not actually promoting your business. So if you want to be effective with your time, make sure that you are leaving evidence behind.
0: Oh, wow. That's a good tip, actually, because I think we can get really caught up in the, oh, do I have to track my subscriber numbers or my likes or engagement or should I be paying? But actually, that's a really simple way to see if you're being effective. So I think one of the first places we should start is to talk about even which platforms should people be on? Because I know that's a common source of overwhelm when business owners are just starting out. How do you even decide which platforms you should get involved with?
1: So first of all, the good news is that you don't really want to be super, super cutting edge or super ahead of the curve, because when you're talking about promoting your business, you want to be somewhere where critical mass has already happened, right? There's really no point in being really cool and cutting edge on the hot new social network if none of your customers are on that social network yet. So the first good news is is that you certainly do not need to keep up with every single new development, you know every single new site that's out there. If you haven't heard of a site yet, don't worry about it. It doesn't it doesn't matter. They really don't matter until they reach the mainstream. And I would highly, highly encourage anyone promoting their business on social media to use some of the amazing social media automation tools out there to make your job easier. One of my favorite tools is called Buffer. Uh, Hootsuite is also great. And these tools allow you to post to several social networks at the same time, makes it a lot more efficient time-wise.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you that later because I last year I was using Hootsuite, but then this year I discovered Buffer and I actually like it a lot better. I just find it, they're both really good, but they're kind of, you use them a bit differently and I, what I mm-hmm. like in Buffer is that you can just make like this big queue mm-hmm. of articles and blog posts and things to share that just kind of drip out over time, which I find really easy to use.
1: Yeah, Buffer makes the job really easy because you can, you can sit down, and write a bunch of updates, or you can just kind of add stuff as you browse the web. When I find an interesting article that I think my audience would like, I just add it to Buffer. So it's a way to kind of integrate social media into my natural web browsing so that I'm always sharing interesting content
0: hmm So then what do you do, like, what's a good workflow? So it's really easy to queue up a bunch of posts that are going to go out, but I guess you still need to go onto the sites themselves every day for a few minutes to actually start leaving this evidence and, and interacting.
1: Yeah. So I, I have to plug in my Social Brilliant program because that has uh, a really detailed entire strategy for your social media marketing workflow, but I'll give the short version. Basically, Writing the posts is what you can automate and do ahead of time, and you really should. There's really no reason not to. The reason that most people struggle so much with social media is because they're doing it all on the fly, they're doing it all live, they're doing it all last minute. Either they think of something to say at that moment, or they don't post, and it's just a really non-leveraged, sort of stressful way to communicate. So what I would suggest is that you do batch your status updates, that you do them ahead of time or you have some workflow, like I mentioned, where you're just adding posts, adding you know blog posts that you find across the web as you come across them. And then where you want to go in for your lifetime is interacting and responding. And that's incredibly important on social media as well. It's called social media for a reason. It is supposed to be interactive. So if you're just posting articles, but you're never talking to anyone, you're probably not going to get much social following going. Part of the fun of the medium and the platforms are that you get to interact with people, but that doesn't take very long, is the thing. People, when people complain about spending time on social media, like, how much time could you possibly be spending responding to tweets? You know, you only have 140 characters. It really doesn't take that much time to kind of like or engage with and what people are saying in, in some
0: really basic way. Oh, definitely. So some people have hesitations about combining kind of personal with professional on mm-hmm. Facebook, for example, or just on social media platforms, because at this point, you know, most people do have a personal presence on these on, you know, at least Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then people get a bit uncomfortable when they think of, you know, moving to professional usage. I mean, how do you kind of where do you draw the line with that?
1: So what I would recommend for Facebook specifically for any business owner is to use a page to promote your business on Facebook. And it can be kind of confusing what's what because they look pretty much exactly the same. The easiest way to figure out what's what is a personal profile on Facebook is where you add friends and a page is what you like. So you like a page, you friend a profile. And what happens to a lot of people is they use Facebook for their friends and family they start adding clients on there too as friends or prospects. And like you said, it gets really weird and really messy where either they don't want to share stuff about their personal life to their business audience, or they start bothering their friends and family all the time with a bunch of updates on their business that their friends and family aren't actually interested in. So the great thing about using a page is everyone who likes your page is interested in your business. And that doesn't mean that You can't make your page personal as well. I really believe that one of the most effective forms of marketing is letting people know the business owner behind the business. People love to get to know who's behind it, love to get to know your personality So that doesn't mean you can never be personal on your page, but then you can just kind of rest assured knowing that everyone has chosen to be there to learn about your business.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that's a really good point because those times where you do inject a bit of your personality, like when you do a status update on your page, not super personal and like revealing all, but when you actually show that you're a real person and Mm -hmm. some of the stuff that you're struggling with that might relate to your audience and things like that, people just love it. I find that those kind of posts get much higher engagement. Absolutely.
1: People love the little sneak peek into your life. And like you said, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're talking about, you know, how you're thinking about divorcing your husband or something. It's, it's not it's not airing your dirty laundry. It's just saying, Hey, I've been to this restaurant today and I loved it. I have this vacation coming up to here. Check out this cute new scarf I got. You know, whatever it is for you. People love those little glimpses into your life.
0: So I'd love your take actually on since you were talking about Facebook, on this whole Kind of the Facebook algorithm change. It, it seems to be what everybody's talking about now, and and it actually is true, at least from what I've experienced with my own page, that the reach from my Facebook page has gone way down. And so, you know, people are talking about different ways to handle that. Should you pay? Should you go to a different platform? What's your opinion on that?
1: It is. It is such a juicy topic. So the first thing you have to remember. I think is don't panic about it. It's true that reach is going down way down on Facebook. Facebook used to show your page posts to a lot more of your audience than they do now. But honestly, my take on it is that we have been in kind of a golden early age of social media and this is kind of to be expected. And reach is probably going to continue to go down across all the networks. I feel like people are going to be cringing hearing me say that, but the truth is that it just makes sense because whenever people complain like, oh, Facebook isn't showing my page to people who liked it, I mean, you have to think of why you get on Facebook. You as a Facebook user, when you sign on Facebook, you're there primarily to connect with your friends that you've friended on Facebook. You're okay seeing a few updates here and there from the friends that you like, but if you signed on Facebook and it was just adverts from every page that you've liked, you would sign off Facebook really, really quickly. And Those of us who have jumped on the social media bandwagon early, and by the way, if you're just now getting on social media, you're still early in in the grand scheme of things. You don't need to feel like you're behind. I think those of us who jumped on early enjoyed sort of this golden era where social networks weren't really sure what was a promotion and what was personal. And so we got to get our business promotions kind of mixed in with everyone's personal updates. But it makes sense that it really won't continue to go that way because it's not what users really want. So to me, that's certainly not a reason to stop using Facebook. Although Facebook traffic is, although reaches down, Facebook is still a huge traffic source for me as is social media in general. And you can combine using organic Facebook and Facebook ads and they play really well together. And building up a big organic Facebook reach, which means getting those likes on your page, does really help your advertising strategy, because then you can advertise to people who've liked your page or to friends of people who have liked your page. So even if you're not sure if you're going to want to do ads down the road, I definitely still think that Facebook is a really valuable asset for your business. Just one of many channels that you have to communicate with your
0: audience. Mm -hmm. Well, also, just like you said, Facebook is so massive. I mean, it just mm-hmm. seems like everybody's on it. And I think it's something that people check into several times a day. So it gives you an opportunity to actually be where your potential customers are anyway, right? Mm-hmm. They're already looking on Facebook. And so it's good for you to be there. But I guess it depends on, you know, you've got to know your audience in a way and see, is my audience there? Because I've heard that for a younger demographic, they might not be so much on Facebook, but for the rest of everyone and the majority of people, people are marketing to, they are on Facebook. So I think it I mean, I guess you just kind of need to know where your audience hangs out too.
1: Absolutely. You need to look at where your audience is, uh, what the nature of the platform is. I mean, if you sell products, then Pinterest is probably going to be a great source for you. If you sell the type... You know, maybe you sell a type of skincare or essential oil or something like that, where people might be pinning it to their wish list, or maybe you just have really beautiful packaging that people like to look at. Those types of businesses do amazing on Pinterest. Other businesses can use them as well. It's just, it's not going to be such a huge boost as it will be for a product business. And also look at what's fun for you. I've seen people who maybe you wouldn't think they would do so well on Pinterest, but they just happen to love Pinterest. They're very visual people. They love making the boards. And that's where the business owner thrives. So they do well in it and they naturally attract a big audience there. So I think you have to consider all those factors.
0: Mm, Yeah, it's a really good point that you should do what you like also, because especially when you're starting out, if you're the one that's going to be using the platform, if you really hate it, then maybe it's not the one for you.
1: Yeah, there's a post that actually just recently went live on my blog about Vin Diesel's Facebook page. So weirdly, the actor Vin Diesel has more Facebook fans than... Than I'm pretty sure than any other celebrity (laughs) 93 million Facebook fans and he actually uses Facebook really well it's all the stuff we've been talking about he posts all these behind the scenes pictures of him dancing and him cuddling with his dogs and stuff and it's such an interesting example because he doesn't have a Twitter profile he literally doesn't have one even though he has such a huge Facebook following and I swear you can tell from his Facebook page that he loves Facebook. I mean, he probably has a team that helps him out. But I can almost guarantee you that he is very personally involved in what he posts. And it really shows through like Facebook is really fun for him and and people love
0: it. I love that. So if Vin Diesel is not on Twitter, you don't have to be on Twitter either. If you don't like (laughs) it, it's okay. Exactly. So what about sites like or services like Instagram? Or have you had have you seen any good results using things like Instagram? Or is it
1: So Instagram is still a bit of a newer one in the grand scheme of things. And that's where you need to look at your audience. Instagram is still a much younger crowd. So if a lot of your customers are in their 40s or 50s, they might not be on Instagram. And obviously Instagram is much more visually driven as well. So it's going to depend on your business. Again, if you have a business that makes sense with visuals, or if you're very personal in in how you brand in your business. The other thing I've seen work really well on Instagram are people who love to connect with their audience by just sharing pictures from their life. Like I'm I'm not really a picture taker. I people always ask me why I don't do more on Instagram. It's just because I actually don't even carry a cell phone around with me and I never take pictures. So it's a little hard for me to get into. It's just not a natural one for me. But if you're one of those people that loves taking pictures of everything around you, Instagram might be a great way to build up a bigger audience and, and connect with your audience.
0: So you don't carry a cell phone around with you.
1: I know it's really, it's really weird for a social <laughs> person, I really try not to be addicted to technology and checking my phone all the time. Yeah. So,
0: I, so this okay. means you're not checking your email obsessively like 30 times a day.
1: I, I try not to, although I do, although I don't carry my phone around, I do often look at it first thing in the morning, which is supposed to be one of those, you know, productivity, never do it, but I don't really find that it causes a problem. So that's the terrible phone thing that I do.
0: <laughs> I'd love to talk a little bit more about how you run your business too because your business has really grown over the past few years and for those of us that are in the process of growing our online businesses what have been the big turning points for you in your business
1: Oh wow I mean I think something that I did right that makes such a huge difference for businesses is getting help early getting help before you feel ready sometimes getting help before you think you need it you know you can only grow your business so big by yourself. That's just the nature of it. And some people are perfectly happy to be a one-woman, one-man show. Actually, my dad is an architect, self-employed, and he used to have employees and he hated it. He hated managing people. He's the type of person that's more of an artist and you know, just loves the process of doing the houses. And he is so happy to run the business on his own you know and and accept that lower amount of income rather than building this huge architectural practice but if you do want to build a bigger business if you want to keep raising the bar on your income and your revenue you're going to have to add other people at some point you know you only have so many hours in a day other people have more hours in a day you can add them on to yours and a lot of people are really really scared to add anyone to their business they're really scared to delegate anything they just think oh no one can do it like I can you know they want to hold maintain that control and honestly the sooner you can learn to let go not only can you grow your business but you can have a lot more free time and you don't have to carry your phone around with you
0: all the time because you have
1: other people besides you making things happen
0: Mm -hmm. oh I can't agree more because I know I heard all the time, oh, you should hire a VA or hire an assistant. And I just used to think, what would I have that person do? Like, yes. I can't think of anything I would have them do. But actually, once I got a VA and then started, you know, giving her tasks, there's just more and more now. There's just so much that she can do that, that I, it'd be nice to have a whole team. And so I think the issue for people is just not believing that anybody else can do your job, the things that you're doing as good as you can. But actually, there's lots of people out there. Maybe they can't do every single thing you can do, but you can hire people that are really good in those specific areas that can do them as well as, or in most cases, better than you can.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, almost everyone has that belief, and it's something I have to continue to talk myself out of as well. Like, yes, there are other people that can do this. And I just like to think of what a, a crazy idea it is. You know, all the world's most incredible, successful businesses it, the founders probably not doing anything anymore. They're, you know, maybe they've sold the business. Maybe they're not even involved with it. Every facet of that business is done by a qualified, skilled person who was hired to do it. So this idea that you're like the only one in the world that can possibly handle these things is
0: is kind of a funny idea mm-hmm. and it goes back to having to spend time working on your business like a business owner instead of working in your business which is something that you know when you're starting out and you're just one person you constantly have to juggle between those two things between doing the work and doing the strategy
1: yeah and I find it so true what you said that once you have someone on board the the floodgates just open with, with stuff that you can have them do. Uh, a big leap for me was hiring a full-time designer. That's something that I did just, just a few months ago. And I never had a designer for my business. We would kind of hire freelancers we would just kind of modify WordPress templates nice enough to get by. And for some reason I had this idea in my head, like Oh, I'll never, you know, I'll never find a designer who's exactly like I want because I'm really picky because I used to be a designer. And so mm-hmm. i was like, oh, how could I ever find anyone that can, you know, match my incredible taste? So I had all these limiting beliefs about it. And I also thought, well, what would they do? Because we've gotten by with a designer for so long. And I decided to just bite the bullet and, and hire someone full time. And I really wasn't sure what she would do, but I thought, well, you know, past experiences taught me if we have her here, we'll find enough work for her. And now I just can't imagine life without her. She just constantly <laughs> has this huge backlog of work and everything looks good. You know, it's the cool thing about adding on a designer. Now everything we do looks really good. So I find it definitely you find tasks for people like just get that first person through the door, you know, just a few hours part time. Or assigning a few things, you will find more things.
0: So when you were first starting out with your business, did you, I'm curious kind of how you got your first product together. Like, did you already have an audience that you were building and then you created a product or did you just kind of have the idea for the product and then build the I, audience?
1: I really did them both at the same time. And something about me is like, I never started my business. I didn't have a blog that turned into a business, which is How a lot of people are now, like they start blogging, and then that topic sort of turns into a business. Mm -hmm. Mine was always a business. So I created products very early on because like I needed money (laughs) to support myself. It wasn't like maybe I can just have a blog. Like I needed this, you know, to provide me income. So when I first started working for myself, as I mentioned, I was a designer and I did that for about two years, and then I switched over to the social media industry. When I first started, I thought I would do social media consulting and I did that for a bit, uh, but I really struggled with that. I really struggled with finding clients and, and just the whole like prospecting and sales process. And so just about maybe two months into it, I created my first online product, uh, which was called Your Backstage Pass to Twitter. So it was about how to use Twitter for your business. And that for me went so well. I remember the first time I sold it. So I had a small audience because I had been like, doing social media marketing and building up my newsletter and stuff for for just a few months for my new business. And I had the people that I'd met through my web design business. So I had like a really small audience. And I remember I sold enough copies of that first info product to make about $3,000. And I was like, well, I used to spend months trying to get a consulting contract for $3,000. You know, this this is crazy. So I was very clear like, okay, this is the model I love. This is the model that's going to work really well for me. And then I moved full force into making online training in my business
0: yeah I think that's it's amazing actually when you sell products online and you realize oh I just made a sale and I didn't actually I mean obviously you do a lot to get right. the product ready but then it can just kind of it goes on on its own it's a really good feeling yeah
1: it's a different type of marketing you know you still have to do marketing but but you don't have to make sales calls, which is great.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I think it play, goes to knowing your strengths too. Like, is yeah. that something? Like, some people love to do the one-on-one and pick up That's the phone right. and make calls, and they can like close people left and right. But if you can't, then then it's really good to have another option that you can go to with products. That's- So for people just getting started in their online business, do you have a few tips or just general advice based on what you've learned in your business that might save them some time or some heartbreak?
1: (laughs) I mean, one, it's really, really important to create things that there is a very clear and specific need for. I think in the health and wellness slash life coaching type of world. Sometimes there are online programs that how do I say it that are like fun to create and might even be fun to go through, but no one is really dying to buy and you're gonna have a hard time selling them. Or I think a lot of people make the mistake of marketing that's just too vague. Again, especially in health and wellness, just stuff about like have energy or or feel better or feel more confident or something like that. It can be hard for people to understand exactly what it is that you're selling and exactly the benefits that they'll get. So, the more specific you can be in laying out, here's what my product is, you know, here's why it's different. I'm trying to think of her URL. A woman named Nicole and she has a product about like how to run a marathon. And it's very specific. It's not like running. It's not like cardio. It's like, here's exactly how you train for a marathon. Here's your running plan. Here's like the mental things that you're going to go through when you want to stop and you want to kill yourself instead of running another day. You know, here's some advice about eating. And it makes it, I know that it makes it so much easier for people to wrap their heads around and people to buy like, okay, not just, I'm going to start exercising, but I want to run a marathon. This
0: is clearly the product for me. Right. So something like, instead of just, you know, slim down for summer, mm-hmm. it might be something like lose 10 pounds in 30 days or something like that. Like, be, you mean be that specific?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, if this is for you, if you like to, you only have 10 minutes a day to exercise, so you like to do short bursts instead of longer things, you know, here's a program designed exactly for that, or that you can do in your home, and you don't have to have any props for real. Like I'm always looking for at home ones and they always like sneak something in like no props at all. I'm traveling. I can't carry
0: anything. I love it. I think there's some good apps for that actually. (laughs) Like body weight exercises I was hearing about. I was chatting with a trainer at the gym and they were telling me that he's like, I don't even know why I work in a gym because all I do is like body weight exercises. You'll just be doing push-ups. And I thought, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So if you were going to go back, you know, to when you started your business, when you first started out with this and could give yourself some advice, what would you tell yourself?
1: I think something else that is really important advice is (laughs) ignore advice and do what you want, like (laughs) anti-advice advice, because you know, when you're first starting out, all you're doing is like looking around desperately at what everyone else is doing. And you do that because you have no idea what to do. You're like, how do I put together a program? Okay, let me see, you know, what everyone else is doing and how they put together their programs and how they talk about them. And you know, that's just part of it because you do have no idea. And so you're just grasping at like any information. But I think most people stay in that world with their business where they're just really more or less copying everything they see, doing the same things everyone else is. You know, everyone loves reading blog posts about exactly how people have done it, looking behind the scenes. I love that stuff too. But it can be really addictive and a little bit, I think can steer you in the wrong direction a little bit because your business is not going to be the best and your business is not going to stand out if you just do things exactly like every other business. I was actually just before this call, I was giving feedback to someone in my company and she had written some ads for Facebook and they weren't really converting very well. So she showed them to me. She said like, what, you know, what do I need to do different? Like, do you have any ideas for different angles we can take? And I told her these are like boring social media ads, (laughs) you know, because it was all stuff like, are you struggling to improve your social media strategy? Like, here's an easy step for you. And they're just kind of copy that people have read a million times before. It could have come from a million social media sites. It's boring. So I just told her like, be weird, be silly, be off the wall, like make it interesting, make it odd, make it stand out. And that's what happens to so many of our businesses when we copycat. We end up putting out products or writing blog posts or writing whatever that just feel like, eh, I've read that a million times before. So it is really important to tap into what are your wacky ideas? You know, what is it that you really want to say and and put that out there?
0: Totally true, because I think I think it's a confidence issue in the beginning is that you have that what you said the overwhelm and you just don't know what you're doing and then and then you think, well, who am I to come up mm-hmm. with something new? I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing because it must be working. And I think there's that balance between in one way, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. like mm-hmm. you should do what's working, right. but you don't want to look like a copycat and be boring.
1: Yeah. And it is, I do think that growing as an entrepreneur is finding that balance of, like you said, there's, there's no reason to start everything from scratch. You know, there are best practices and you'll find in your own business, your own best practices and what works well for you. You don't want to start over every time, but people are drawn to things that are interesting and and quirky and different.
0: Totally. Okay. Well, last question, just because we all love books and resources. So I was wondering if you could share some of your favorite or one or two of your favorite kind of business books or mindset books or, or other resources for entrepreneurs. Yeah,
1: I read a lot of books. So I'm like trying to think what are my, my all time, all time. Well, one that I think has kind of a weird name that intimidates people is Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. It sounds a lot more old school than it is. Also, the author's name is Vern Harnish. And I saw him speak and he's like, you expect him to be like 85 and he's not. (laughs) He's actually pretty young and he's really energetic. He has like this really young spirit. I'm like, you're Vern Harnish? You're mastering the Rockefeller Habits? He just blew my mind. Mastering the Rockefeller Habits is just a really solid business book about how to structure different parts of your business, how to structure your goals, how to structure communication within your business. And it's one of those books that I think when you first read it, you think like, well, I'm a small business and a lot of the stuff doesn't apply to me. But actually what I've learned is that if you apply these lessons to you, they can be applied to small businesses and you can really make your business really streamline and grow a lot faster and go pro a lot faster if you use some of these kind of more professional and sometimes stuffy kind of business lessons. So mastering the Rockefeller Habits is one of my favorites. And I'm trying to think, I feel like now I should throw out like a totally different genre. We well, said mindset. So I'm a big Marianne Williamson fan. I love A Return to Love. It's one of my favorite books of all time. Just like makes you feel amazing when you read it. But you know, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling stressed out, it's always just like a good one to go back to. So those are two totally opposite books that, that I really love both of them.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you. So, Laura, if people want to connect with you or learn from you, I know you have lots of programs to help small business entrepreneurs with um, social media. Let mm-hmm. us know where we can find you
1: so my website is lkrsocialmedia.com best place to start is go there you'll see the newsletter on the home page I send out a newsletter with one really really easy really simple social media tip each week that you can actually get done so that's a great place to start
0: awesome and I'll put all those links for the books and your site in the show notes so that people can can find it easily there so thanks so much for spending time with me today Laura it was great chatting with you yeah, you're welcome thanks Amanda So I'm really curious what you thought about this interview with Laura Roder. I'd love it if you'd hop over to the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com slash 22 and let me know what you learned from this episode. What are you going to change or do differently about your social media going forward? And the other thing I'd love for you to do, if you have suggestions for people that you'd love to hear interviewed on the podcast, please let me know. Don't be shy. You can tweet me at vintage Amanda and suggest a guest and you know, I'm not shy. I'll contact anybody. So even if it's a really big name, throw it out there and I'll do my best to get them here on the show with us. So have a fabulous week and I challenge you to use social media more effectively this week. Stop wasting time on social media and actually take action that's going to make an impact. So have a great week and I'll see you back here with the next episode.